your hosts have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates inside and outside of the courtroom. Both partners are experienced trial attorneys who have been board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. All right. Well, welcome back to For Better, Worse, or Divorce. I'm Jake Gilbreth, and today I'm joined by Amy Hammond. Amy, first of all, let me start with you like we start with most of our guests. Tell me your name and where you're from. Hi, my name is Amy Hammond. I am originally from San Antonio, Texas, and have lived in the Austin area for about 20 years. We're doing this podcast. We talked about kind of what we'd be going over and what we're talking about. So let's go into how you and I met. So give us the background on that. I uh, have a child who has special needs, as well as two other children. My middle child was sponsored by a nonprofit organization called Imagine Away when she was three years old. I work for the organization now, and that's how I met Sarah Gilbreth, your wife. And then when I started the divorce process, I reached out, and that's how we got here. Well, so talk to me. So you work full-time with Imagine Away right now, right? Correct. Yep. Can you tell us kind of in your own words what Imagine Away does? So Imagine Away is a nonprofit in Austin, just uh, moved into the Houston area as well. And they sponsor children between the ages of two and seven who have an autism diagnosis and whose families cannot afford the cost associated with therapy that they need. So oftentimes insurance doesn't cover at all. So families are looking upwards of $40,000 a year to cover the therapies that their kids need. Yeah, it's something, I mean, we've talked about on the podcast and I talk about with my clients that, you know, I have a child that's on the autism spectrum and it's just sort of shocking. I think one of the things that's first shocking to parents, I'd be curious of what your experience was, but first of all, I guess it was shocking that, you know, kind of there wasn't a clear path, right? There wasn't like this manual, this is what you do. And then, you know, for all the resources that are out there, though, it's just a lot of them, I mean, Sarah and I were blessed that we were able to that we were able to, you know, utilize a lot of the resources for our son, but you know, there's, it's they're out of reach. I mean, how there's stuff where an insurance company can doctor can tell you like you do need this for your child, but by the way, insurance is going to cover it. You need ABA, you need 40 hours a week in ABA. We're going to pay for five. You know, something like that was. What was kind of your reaction thinking back when you got the diagnosis and then for your child and then kind of researching and figuring out what the next steps were. Yeah, for us, it was, it took a while to get the diagnosis because her pediatrician didn't even really think that's what was going on. And so by the time we got the diagnosis, I had suspected and really felt that that's what it was for about a year. So by the time we got to the neurologist and got the diagnosis, it had been a while. And then they suggested speech therapy. And then we started speech therapy and six months into it, the speech therapist was like, well, have you considered ABA? And at that point I was, I mean, I was still brand new to all of it. I was like, what's ABA and why has no one told me about this till now? And then at that point was when we reached out to insurance and insurance was like, but we don't cover that at all. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we were looking at, we had saved maybe $10,000 and that was going to cover six hours a week for a summer. And she needed 40 hours a week all the time. Right. Well, and watching the impact. So I guess being able to get the intervention for your child, can you tell me 
I mean, I, I always say, you know, my child's intervention, it's just life changing. And I guess, can you talk about your own personal experience? If you actually get the intervention that you need for your child, what have you seen over the years? So she has, when she was young, she, she had started speaking and then she, I bet just, a, you know, word, words here and there. And then when she was about two years old, she stopped altogether. And so that was really shocking. But then over the years with, with all of the therapy and, and, you know, just her as an individual growing and learning and she has progressed to being, she's now 14, almost 14 years old. And she still doesn't um, speak in conversations, but she says what she wants and what she needs. And just the other day, she told me that she wanted to walk into school by herself instead of me walking in with her. So the progress has been amazing. That's great. Yeah. That, that had to be a big moment for you. That was huge. Yeah. Well, so talk to me and then we'll want to sort of go into more personal experiences too, but talk to me about kind of your job, you know, your, your full time, I think your program director at Imagine Away. So tell us about your back, your life before that, your work before that, and kind of what you do now with that job. So my uh, background is actually in education. I got a business degree and then went on to get a master's in education. So I taught as a teacher until I started having children and then decided to stay home. So I was a stay-at-home parent for nearly 10 years and then then started to get back into the workforce just a little bit, doing some tutoring here and there. And then Mara was diagnosed with autism. So that really kind of took all of my attention for a good deal of time. So I, I was doing a little bit of part-time work here and there. She received assistance from Imagine Away, and then that ended when she was seven years old. By that point, insurance was covering a whole lot better, and we were able to continue the therapy that she still needs. And the founder of Imagine Away, Joel Price, reached out to me after Mara was out of the program and said, offered me a position being kind of the liaison between the organization and parents. And so, of course, I said yes. And then that grew from there, from starting just a little bit to um, a full-time job. Well, kind of like the organization. I mean, we've been involved with it, let's see, I want to say around 2018 or, or 19, I think 18, when Sarah first got involved with it. When we went to the the gala, I remember the family that presented their child was the same name as, as our child, almost, I mean, similar issues and everything. And that's one of the families that Imagine Way had sponsored and kind of we were sold on it then. And I know Sarah loves working with you on it and we love our contributions to the program. Well, let's talk about you. I mean, we said we'd talk about this in the podcast and I appreciate you being willing to talk about this. But I mean, you've been, I, I talk about this on, on the podcast. I've been through a divorce. It's not fun. It's particularly challenging with children with special needs. I went through my divorce before my son got his diagnosis, but we sort of navigated that with kind of the post-divorce world and him having two households and navigating that that situation. Talk to me about kind of when you went through your divorce, you, know, you have a child on the spectrum, how that impact kind of your situation. So first of all, when I realized that we were headed toward divorce, I wanted to find an attorney that understood that had experience with divorce and children with special needs because navigating that for my daughter was my top priority, figuring out how all of this was going to affect her both now and long-term. So it was important to me that I find someone that understood that this wasn't just like, you know, just wasn't like a typical family going through a divorce. I mean, it's been hard for sure, just like I'm sure for everybody, but adding that autism piece in there has, uh, 
had its own challenges. Well, and so without going into too much detail, but how was the, you know, what issues kind of presented kind of just both going through the divorce, but also having two households with like possession schedules. And I mean, you have two other children that may not have this, this special need right. that your child on the spectrum has. So how, how are you able to navigate all that? Carefully. Um, so we have a unique, a somewhat unique possession schedule that we both wanted because our child who is on the spectrum requires a lot of extra time. And there are a lot of activities that she struggles to participate in things that are, you know, super crowded or chaotic, or we didn't want our other two children to not have the opportunities to do those things. And when we were married, we traded off a lot taking the other children. So we decided to alternate our weekend possession so that sometimes uh, our children are not together. So one of us will have our daughter who has autism and the other will have the other two children so that we can still have that time to go do some things that might be harder for her. So that has worked out fairly well. And I knew I would enjoy the time with my autistic daughter by herself, but I didn't realize how much I would enjoy it. It's, it's really a lot of fun to have some time with just her. First of all, it's I tell clients this all the time. I mean, I spend all day, every day in the courtroom or in mediation or, or arbitration or what have you, kind of litigating you know, over uh, our families and every single family looks different. And sometimes we have to go to court on that. And, you know, we have, I just finished this week trying a three-day trial. Next week will be multi-day trial. We have jury trials coming up. In some families, that's just needed. They can't get there on an agreement or there's just something unique about their case. And, and that's fine. And that's what we're here for. But, you know, for folks like you and you were able to work through, I don't think you mind me sharing this. <laughs> you did all the hard work, as I remember, you know, us working with you. And that was great. I mean, that y'all are able, that you don't totally see everything the, the same way, but y'all are able to to get on the same page and go through a divorce and work something out that makes sense for your family. Because that's the other lesson I was going to say is a lot of families, it's just, you know, there's these set possession schedules and that's what's in the family code or that's, you know, the type of 50-50 schedule that people routinely do. And that just doesn't work for families sometimes with uh, with special needs. And you really have to put your thinking cap on and try to figure it out. And like I said, as I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, you did most of the hard work on your divorce. Yeah, we, both of us, just we really wanted to stay out of court and we didn't want it to take an enormous amount of time for our kids' sake. And so I think because of that, we both made some concessions and, you know, wound up agreeing to things that we might have wanted to push for, but we wanted to keep our kids at the middle of it. And so we put some of that stuff aside. Well, and so as far as like, you know, to having a, a child with special needs with two households, you know, we talked about possession schedule as far as like therapies, medication, stuff like that, kind of more attention needed than maybe just a, you know, 15 year old that doesn't have a neurotypical 15 year old, say, where you just, you know, grab your stuff, you're going to your dad's house and it's that simple. Not every 15 year old set that simple, <laughs> but some, you know, they can do that themselves. Uh, so what do y'all do as far as, you know, what's your, been your experience of, you know, having a child with special needs and, and that extra care? That has been the hardest part. Once she makes the transition, she's done quite well. She likes going to dad's house. She likes coming home to mom's house. But uh, the actual transition is challenging for her. So we've had to make some changes. For example, dad picks her up at five on Thursdays and 
the school schedule has changed this year and middle schools aren't getting out until five o'clock or she doesn't get home on the bus until five o'clock. And that's not enough time. She needs time to decompress when she gets home. She has a whole schedule that she goes through with putting her backpack away and getting a snack and all of that stuff. So when dad shows up and she's not ready, she doesn't get upset. She just plain won't go <laughs> until she's right. had that time to to do the things that she needs to do to kind of settle herself. So we've just had to make some changes with, you know, just having to push that back a little later. We may still have change, like, you know, maybe she gets picked up from school instead of from my house. We, we have to work through it because it's it's just too hard for her to change on a dime like that. Well, and talk to me about kind of what I find to be one of the most difficult. Well, maybe that's all right, because everything's difficult as far as going through a separation or divorce with a, uh, a child with special needs. But, you know, just like talking to families that imagine a way or that there's just not enough resources or there's a strain on resources when you get this diagnosis. I mean, going through a divorce and raising a special needs child with a single household is financially challenging. And then there's a separation. Sometimes it's a financial impossibility. I mean, kind of what's any tips or kind of what it's how do you begin to sort of figure out how to budget or figure out how are you going to manage the expenses of a special needs child in your situation? Well, I mean, the most important part at the beginning was making sure that she could continue with therapy that she needed and then not have to uproot and, you know, change two houses. And so it was important to me to keep my house. And I mean, we've had some help or I've had some help from my family and, uh, it, we've just had to make cuts and, you know, not do elaborate things. Not that we were doing a lot of that before, but just have a strict budget. It's challenging. Definitely. Well, I guess sort of wrapping up on that topic was something fairly broad, but any other tips or special challenges or anything that you, as far as, you know, I think a lot of our listeners, either they themselves or know somebody that with a child with special needs that may be living in two households or about to be living in two households. So any advice? I've always found the most help by reaching out to other parents who have been through the same thing, either with, you know, with with divorce or with not without. Just, uh, you know, talking with someone who's been something similar has been vital for me to just not feel alone in it. So the divorce rate among parents with children with special needs is pretty high. So it's not too hard to find other friends that have been through something similar. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate that. I've said it. We've, we're doing a series on you know divorce and separation with children with special needs, and I know you because you and I've talked about it. I know you believe this with all your heart. It's it's such a challenge raising a child with special needs, but it's hard to think of anything much more rewarding than it. And then the watching the work that you do at Imagine Away and what Imagine Away does, and just it is it's literally life changing. So. I appreciate you talking about that, and I really appreciate you sharing your experience with us. So we'll wrap up with that for today. If you have questions about applying for Imagine Away sponsorship or interested in donating to Imagine Away or getting involved in that organization, there's going to be a link in our bio. And if you like what you heard today, of course, do us a favor, leave a review. 
We always say it, but we always want to be clear that we appreciate any feedback. It helps us better this podcast. This is our second episode in our series regarding special needs children and dealing with the divorce and separation of those situations. In our final episode, we're going to have Brian on to discuss specific case issues and our experience handling those cases involving children with special needs. So if you have any questions, please reach out to us at podcast at waltersgilbreth.com. I'm Jay Gilbreth, and thanks for listening. For information about the topics covered in today's episode and more, you can visit our website at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of For Better, Worse, or Divorce, where we post new episodes every first and third Wednesday. Do you have a topic you want discussed or a question for our hosts? Email us at podcast at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.